0: In 1355, King Afonso IV of Portugal ordered his son Pedro's lover Ines de Castro to be murdered. King Afonso was concerned that Ines' illegitimate upbringing and Castilian roots would threaten Portugal's independence. Predictably, Pedro did not take Ines's murder well. Today, We'll talk about this royal family, how Pedro avenged his lover's death, and how Pedro exhumed inessa's rotten corpse to crown her queen posthumously on this episode of Technically a Conversation. You're listening to Technically a Conversation, a podcast where we share an interesting topic or story with each other and hope you find it interesting as well. I'm one half of your host Jose, and I'm joined today by my lovely co-host Isela. How are you doing today?
1: Doing pretty good. I have no complaints. Al. How are you?
0: I'm doing great also.
1: Great.
0: We're going to go do some karaoke on Saturday. So I'm looking forward to that.
1: I am really excited. I don't know how much karaoke I could really do because I feel like my voice was already like giving out. But fine, I'm just going to find all the raspy songs so this fits in perfectly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's actually what I was going to ask you. Any idea of what songs you're going to sing?
1: I have no clue. Like, legitimately have no clue. I don't know what's on there. Do they have a book or how does that work? (laughs) You're the one who was taking it over.
0: (laughs) I wouldn't say I was taking it over, but I did definitely... I think I overstayed my welcome the last time.
1: No, you did not. Everybody <laughs> seemed to be enjoying it. They were like, come over here, stranger, sing with us.
0: <laughs> yeah, that definitely was a lot of fun. No, the way that it works is um, if, if the karaoke track is on YouTube, you can do it.
1: Oh, okay. All right.
0: So you might want to go on the YouTubes and uh, see what you can find on there.
1: The research will begin tonight, sir.
0: Personally, I would like to encourage you to sing I Saw the Sign by Ace of Base, or that <laughs> one, uh, Wanna Be My Lover song. <laughs>
1: for that one. I definitely remember.
0: The, oh, yeah, wanna be my lover. <laughs> I forgot
1: that for a second, yeah. I remember going all out. I felt like we were lost when you were driving. At that time, you were driving, right?
0: I don't even remember anymore.
1: Yeah, we were lost in the streets of Dallas.
0: <laughs> I was lost in how much energy you were putting in the, oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> ah! That's funny. It was good times, good times.
0: Yeah. I kind of want to do some Alejandro Fernandez this time.
1: Dude, for sure. I want to do some kind of Spanish something. Maybe one where most everybody else sings and I just kind of get to, you know, throw in a couple of words here and there. And everybody else is really just singing. I'm just more like the conductor of this awesome <laughs> of this awesome singing choir.
0: <laughs> like Flava flavor.
1: Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: I don't know. I'm I'm torn. I, I do want to do Alejandro Fernandez, but I also kind of want to do some trivium because I want to do some of the screaming and growling. But I know that if I do that, I'll end up fucking up my voice. So that'll probably be like towards the end.
1: Right. I say start out Alejandro, end up trivium, and you get the best of both worlds. I mean, who says you got to do one? You are a Mexican-American man. You can do Mexican and American stuff.
0: True. (laughs) I think me and you should do a duet together where we can scream and growl together. I think that'll be fun.
1: I don't know any songs, but I could be like a backup dancer. Do they have backup dancers for the growling?
0: (laughs) Maybe I'd like at a white zombie concert or something.
1: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I think people would kick me off of the would-be stage.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I think you could probably do some sick screaming and growling. So I kind of want to see what you got.
1: I don't know. I appreciate the
0: confidence. (laughs) (laughs) Enough fucking around, Isela. Ready to get started?
1: Always.
0: Great. Let's get started. (laughs) So I had initially planned a different story, but that other story was too dark, even for me. That's weird. It is, right? Yeah. So I thought that I would do something a little bit more lighthearted and fun for once.
1: Mira. Okay.
0: This is going to be a love story. Do you like love stories, Isela?
1: I usually do. Yes.
0: Excellent. Isela, have you ever been in love before?
1: I very much believe I have loved men in my life before. Yes.
0: Okay. Did you ever love someone so much, but due to circumstances out of your control, you were not able to be with this person?
1: Mm, I don't, I don't think so.
0: Okay. This one sadly does not have a happy ending or well, maybe it does. So it's a true love story. (laughs) I'm just kidding <laughs> I'm it is just a true saying. love story
1: <laughs> that's so jaded, I'm kidding,
0: <laughs> but you tell me when we reach the ending if you think it ended on a happy ending or not.
1: Oh, we're questioning this, okay, I'm very excited about this.
0: well, it's almost like a Disney story and even includes a real life prince that's still every woman's fantasy, right?
1: Ah, uh, sort of. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, the following is from a Reader's Digest article by Megan Jones and BBC article by Holly Williams. Link to these and all our sources will be in the show notes. In 1340, Prince Pedro I, son of King Afonso IV of Portugal, had met the love of his life, a young woman by the name of Inés de Castro. Unfortunately, there were a couple of problems for a royal protagonist. The first being that his father didn't approve of the romance because Inés was an a noble. The second being that Prince Pedro was already married. Pedro's love for Inés was too strong for silly things like nobility and marriage to come in the way of what his heart desired. (laughs) So he refused to stop seeing her. In fact, it would have probably been harder for Pedro to stop seeing her since she was his wife Constanza's lady-in-waiting, her personal assistant. King Afonso discovered they were still seeing each other and had Inés exiled. When Pedro's wife Constanza died, Inés returned to Portugal to live with Pedro, and the couple had four children together.
1: Escándalo! In
0: 1355, Afonso and his advisors thought Inés' presence was too much of a risk to the royal Portuguese line and had her killed. Mm. Pedro swore revenge against his father and pledged to avenge Inés' death. Let's see if he succeeded. But first, Isala, are you familiar with this story?
1: It sounds somewhat familiar, but I think I'm confusing it with, um, there was a story that seems a little bit similar where the parents didn't want them to be together. And I thought her name was Ines too. The one, the story from the double tree in Las Cruces or Messia, but you said Portugal. So yeah, it's definitely not that one.
0: Yeah. I don't believe it's the same one, but I mean, it sounds like the typical Romeo and Juliet love. First of all, I'm really glad that you haven't heard of this story. I set the story up we left on a huge cliffhanger. Let me give you a little bit of background on his family and perhaps it might paint a better picture of why King Afonso was kind of a jerk and why he felt the crown would be threatened if his son married Inés. Let's go over them and you can tell me what you think. Sure. According to the New World Encyclopedia, Afonso was his father King Dini's only legitimate son and the rightful heir to the Portuguese throne. However, he was not his father's favorite son. His half-brother was also named Afonso, but he was Afonso Sanchez, was, according to some sources, his father's favorite. I'll refer to him as Sanchez from now on to avoid confusion. This favoritism led to a constant fighting and even several outbreaks of civil war. On January 7th, 1325, Afonso's father died and Afonso became king and took full revenge on Sanchez. Sanchez was exiled to Castile and stripped of all the lands that were given to him by their common father. As you can imagine, Sanchez was not thrilled about that. So from Castile, he orchestrated a series of attempts to take the crown for himself. Little brother was coming for the throne, yo.
1: Damn!
0: But Sanchez was not successful. In fact, Alfonso's mother, Queen Elizabeth, had to get involved and had both brothers sign a peace treaty. Reportedly, they were both also ordered by the Queen Mother to go to their rooms without supper And think about what they had done.
1: (laughs) Once you said that, I was like, that's such a mom thing to do. Mijo, mijo, come here. Come here. Sign here. Sign here. (laughs) Wow. Okay.
0: So Alfonso sounds like a great guy, right? (laughs) Chill AF? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I think we can see where he definitely had some daddy issues and sibling issues.
1: Absolutely.
0: More specifically, illegitimate sibling issues. Yes. The illegitimate sibling issues were also a factor when it came to his son, Pedro. Although Constanza and Pedro had one son, Fernando, the legitimate heir to the Portuguese throne, Fernando was a sickly child, while the children that Pedro had with Inés were all super healthy, just like me.
1: (laughs) Yes, I see now, okay.
0: At least three of the four children, that is, because one of them died during childbirth. Mm. To make matters worse... Pedro recognized all the children that he had with Inés as legitimate. Inés was also Castilian, and Afonso feared losing influence to the Castilians that were within Portugal, especially since Pedro seemed to favor the Castilians that surrounded Inés, specifically her two brothers. Afonso's fear of losing control only intensified as he got older, and he started losing control over his court. Ines's brothers were also trying to influence Pedro to make a run for the Castilian throne. Alfonso feared that by Pedro doing this, Portugal would lose their independence. When Alfonso ordered Inés killed in 1355, it had as much to do with Inés not being a noble as it did with the Castilian influence that was taking over Portugal. So what do you think? Do you think his fears are kind of justified?
1: I'm Okay, I think when you're at a level of nobility and royalty, unfortunately, family just I don't think means the same as we understand it. And that's the part that's super fucked up, because you would think that, you know, they would be closer knit, and they have all these, like, people that are probably trying to come at them anyway, so they should kind of take refuge in family, you know, very very fast and furious family, right? (laughs) But it sounds like even within the family, everyone's coming from the throne, and it's just heightening everyone's... Um, all the, it's bringing out all the bad in them. It's so sad. And then the sickly kids, I mean, not that it's their fault, but I mean, I can kind of understand why they don't necessarily think these kids will make it maybe to full term. 1300s. I mean, who knows? I I think back then it was a crapshoot, you know, who was going to survive all those diseases.
0: Yeah. And I think that was the reason why they had a lot of kids because I think only like half of them made it to adulthood.
1: I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, it just spells bad news all around for sure.
0: Yeah. And from what I understood doing the research, I believe that there was always some fighting between the Castilians and the Portuguese. I think that's why they were kind of like being bred together to kind of maintain that peace. You know, usually it was a Portuguese king that would marry a a queen or a princess from Castile, just kind of to maintain a little bit of that peace.
1: I can see that for sure.
0: So, yeah, I could see why he f- would feel threatened that if they were to merge, Portugal would stop being independent.
1: And then, of course, then the whole downfall of the entire country would be on his shoulders and nobody wants that. But that it just seems so... I guess uh, their you know, problems that they have to deal with are pretty real. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I guess. Um, I don't put a lot of importance on nobility and stuff like that, but I'm also not nobility. So... You know, it's not something that I've ever experienced. But I think that had I been the father, I would have been like, you know what? Be happy, son. Fuck it.
1: I think it's easy for us to say that right now because royalty really doesn't have that same weight that it used to. If we were in the thirteen hundreds, I think we we might feel differently. I mean, back then that was like the shit. They're like the rock stars, the pop stars or something. I don't I don't know. I don't understand it either. But yeah, for sure. I would definitely be like, dude. Whatever makes you happy. But also at the same time, don't have all these kids that you're not going to be able to raise and, and love and all that stuff, You know what I mean? Don't go spread in the sea type of thing <laughs> like that.
0: Very true. It seemed like a illegitimate offspring was very common during that time as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, I think it still happens a lot today.
0: True. So let's uh, move on to a lighter topic. Sure. There are conflicting reports on how Afonso Ines murdered. <laughs> Some sources say that she was stabbed multiple times by three assassins. Others claim that she was beheaded. The only detail most sources agree on is that she was killed in front of her children. That's really fucked up, right?
1: That is so awful. Oh, my goodness. Okay. I only laugh. Let me give you real context because I should not laugh at that. In my head, I was already writing a joke in my head. I was thinking (laughs) 1300s. This is the few times that I'm like, shit. Shit. I do wish there were guns. Like, just kill me with a gun, so it could be painless and quick. Like stabbed multiple times? No, just one, one quick shot, please.
0: <laughs> and <laughs> or beheaded. It's really uncertain exactly how she died.
1: Yeah, that's still not a great option. <laughs> I'd rather just shoot me. I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Prior to her death, Pedro refused the idea of marrying anyone but Ines, and was hellbent for leather on making Ines his queen. Afonso thought his son would get over Ines's death but he was not able to forgive him for his barbaric act. Pedro put together an army and led an uprising against his father. Pedro had two of the three assassins that were hired by his father to kill Inés tracked down and captured. Pedro then proceeded to torture them and rip their hearts out during a dinner party he was hosting.
1: What? Like a, like a party trick? <laughs> <laughs> that's so crazy.
0: That's fucking metal.
1: No, that's not metal. That's crazy.
0: Allegedly, he said something to the effect that men that could have done that to his sweet Ines didn't have a heart right before he canoed their asses.
1: Oh my gosh. Wow. That's okay. That's kind of (laughs) baller. I'm just kidding.
0: (laughs) (laughs) In my head, I heard fatality, flawless victory.
1: Yeah. Very Mortal (laughs) Kombat or something. Yeah. (laughs) Finish him. (laughs) Yeah.
0: neither of the articles stated why Afonso disliked the Castilians so much. Political reasons were always what was cited. But it seemed like Afonso had a lot of ties to Castile. His brother Sanchez was exiled to Castile. Afonso's own wife, Infanta Beatriz de Castile, was from Castile. Afonso's firstborn, Infanta Maria de Portugal, was married to King Alfonso de Castile. Pedro's wife, Constanza, was from Castile. So it seemed like they had a good relationship. It
1: was definitely an amorous relationship with the people of Castile.
0: Yeah, but I don't know if it was just to keep the peace and no secretly they kind of hated each other. That is until Alfonso found out that his daughter Maria was being publicly mistreated by her husband, King Alfonso, and he started a war against Castile that lasted four years. Wow. I don't know it's kind of confusing because Pedro's dad is Alfonso without an L and Maria's husband is King Alfonso. With an L.
1: Okay. Yes, yes.
0: And it's so hard for me to say Alfonso, because I always want to say Alfonso.
1: (laughs) Your brother's name is Alfonso, so I could see that for sure.
0: (laughs) That is a fact. His name is Indira Alfonso. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So they started a war against Castile that lasted for four years. In fact, Maria was the one that intervened and got her husband and her father to sign a peace treaty in 1339. So again, maybe he had some resentment for the Castilles for that reason. I don't know. That's just speculation on my part. And I think, you know, all we can do is just kind of speculate. I I couldn't find a clear reason why you hated them so much. What do you think?
1: I mean, it's possible like what you were saying, maybe there was a a bigger plan that he wanted to proceed with and, you know, he felt upset that it was foiled type of thing. Or it's just one of those weird things that, you know, two countries have really disliked each other for a, such a long time you don't know why um i guess the one thing that i can think of that's similar is like um pakistan and india for some reason i think they just don't like each other and i think they generations upon generations have just kind of grown up where you know you're just not supposed to like them <laughs> you know
0: yeah and i guess it didn't help that they were being forced to breed with each other also to maintain power and peace
1: Right, especially if they were being denied perhaps their true love. But I think that guy sounded like he was, it's now a matter of when you want something. And I know you've been in this situation before. When you see a woman, she's not interested, but you really like her, and it almost makes you want her more. And you just kind of hang on, and and maybe she'll see, or whatever. It's the same thing. Women, we go through that too, you know, so... Sometimes the more they, you know, you're told, no, you can't date this person, the more you're kind of like pushing them into each other's arms.
0: It's the hopeless romantic in some of us. (laughs)
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Let's go ahead and take a quick commercial break. And when we return, we'll talk about the time Pedro had Inés's rotting corpse exhumed to have her crowned as queen posthumously. (laughs) Also, that's metal.
2: prepare to enter an immersive world of tragedies, hauntings, legends, and folklore. Southern Gothic is a podcast that will take you deep into the dark history and haunted lore of the American South, exploring some of the region's most infamous tales, from the swamps of Louisiana to the shores of the Carolinas, isolated communities of Appalachia, and the bloody battlefields and earliest settlements of Virginia. This is where ghost stories come alive, grim secrets are exposed, and mysteries. Well, you need to listen to find out. Join us now at southerngothicmedia.com or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Do you want a science podcast? No. What about a comedy science podcast? Oh, yeah. Then join us at Petri Dish. I'm Sean, a PhD and cancer researcher. And I'm Nathan, his trusty sidekick and common man slash biological brother. Together we dive into the latest, hottest topics with the Reverend Gusto. Cannabinoids, climate change, human sexuality. Listen weekly everywhere podcasts are available to
2: Petri Dish.
0: We're back. How was your break, Isala? Did you exhume any bodies during our break?
1: I was trying to pick which one I wanted to
0: exhume. Too many to choose from. <laughs> Would you have uh, posthumously uh, crowned them as a king or queen?
1: <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> I wanted to keep the crowns. <laughs> in the words of Billie Eilish, you should see me in a crown. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Honestly, I'm very proud of myself for having the self-restraint not to lead with that. That was the first fact that I learned about this story, so it was super hard to talk around it for 15 minutes to set it up. Thankfully, there were some interesting details about the family that didn't make it too difficult. What do you think about the story so far?
1: It's really interesting, especially because I don't think we normally think about all the inner workings of nobility and how they work and maybe some of the petty things that happen even in, you know, even in our lives where... Maybe your parent told you you didn't. They didn't like this person for you or something, and you know, you. It, it makes you want them more. But just like we said before the break, and it's kind of interesting where you know. Okay, well, maybe nobility is kind of like us in a weird way, but not like that to that degree where they're scheming and planning murders and stuff like this. Sounds <laughs> to a whole other level, which is why it's so damn entertaining.
0: I can definitely see the entertainment portion of it. So before we get to the cool part. Let's finish off Afonso's story real quick. Mm-hmm. His story did end on a happy note, as he and his son were able to reconcile right before his death in early 1357. Oh, that's great. Pedro has now ascended to the throne. He has vowed to make Inés the Queen of Portugal, even in death.
1: Wow, stubborn.
0: Pedro claimed that he and Inés had secretly been married, so in essence, she had been the queen all along. <gasps> Nolan Twist.
1: No, Nolan. Christopher (laughs) Nolan. That's why. Why wouldn't he say that before? Oh, my gosh. Okay.
0: I don't know. Apparently, when uh, Ines was murdered, Pedro wasn't even there. He had gone on some type of, like, hunting expedition, which I guess, like, that stuff that, like, royal people would do back in the day. Sure. I don't know. Sounds kind of MAGA-ish to me, but.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Maybe he went out there with Chris. What was his name? Uh. Kid Chris, Kid Kid Rock, whatever the fuck his stupid name is, to shoot uh Jesus. Budweiser beers or whatever.
1: Oh my god, that's so <laughs> ridiculous! Right? Of course they would be doing that.
0: So Pedro had grand tombs crafted for both him and Ines at the Monastery of Alcobasa in 1360, five years after her death. Pedro dug up Ines's decomposing body and took it in a grand procession from Coimbra to Alcobasa where it was royally entombed so that he would eventually be buried alongside the love of his life together in death forever and ever. (laughs) Amen.
1: That's bad shit crazy. Wow. This guy sounds, I know in English, the word is stubborn, but I feel like in Spanish, aferrado, is really like, I don't know if it's the rolling of the R's that really kind of drives it in. <laughs> Aferrado. Like this guy sounds beyond stubborn. Wow.
0: Now I was actually going to say that's a really sweet story, right? No. No.
1: No. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> that's a whole other level.
0: Well, you totally threw off my script because I was going to say if it had ended there, it would be sweet. No.
1: <laughs> He's ex- zooming bodies <laughs> Negative, sir. Just live. Let her live in your heart forever. Itantan That's the way it can end right there.
0: Amen. <laughs> so, what is it that you once said about there being a thin line between romantic and creepy? Oh
1: yeah, this is a it.
0: Well, thankfully, this is not going to be Carl Tanzler creepy. <laughs> Inessa's corpse, as far as I can tell, didn't get Tanzered. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's that's the verb.
0: (laughs) Yeah, as far as I could tell, she was not Tanzered, so I'm not going to need to record any trigger warnings, hopefully. Good. And if you have no idea what we're talking about, go listen to our Carl Tanzler episode. Yes. That might be the most gruesome story that we've told so far. Right. You've been warned, and I'm still very proud of you, Isela.
1: I feel like I was supposed to now wear a button that said, uh, just say no to necrophilia or
0: something. <laughs> anyway. Okay, so I'm going to preface this by saying that because there are so few historical documents from that time period, it's possible that this didn't actually happen. At the same time, there have been so many plays, poems, paintings, operas, and novels that have been written about this. So we leave it up to you and our super friends to decide. Everything prior to this was backed by historical evidence. We're about to go into myth territory. Mm, Okay. One of the first instances where this part of the story was told was in Jerónimo Bermúdez's 1577 tragedy, Nise Laureda. In the play, Inés was not merely transferred to a new tomb, but her corpse was treated to an extravagant coronation ceremony. Pedro insisted that his corpse bride be dressed in coronation robes, Propped up on a throne, crowned, and her hand kissed by the noblemen to pay respect to their new queen.
1: Oh my God. That's weekend at Bernie's. Like, (laughs) like beyond the grave. That's disgusting.
0: (laughs) I don't know about you, Isela, but I'd be like, hard pass, fam. I would be trying to sneak out through the back. I don't think that I could kiss a five year old rotten corpse's hand. What about you? I I know you're down for cannibalism, so.
1: Negative, negative. <laughs> Starting bad rumors. I would be like, yo, uncle, let me just, can I just like blow her kisses? Like, <laughs> and they'll get there. They'll get, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Shit, that's creepy if that's true.
0: Apparently there's a lot of uh, similar stories, so.
1: There's got to be some truth to it then.
0: That's what I say. I mean, who knows? It might have been just one person that told the story and I just ran crazy. Mm -hmm. But we're going to go into it. Holly Williams, author of the BBC article we referenced, states that this fascination with the macabre has surely driven much of the interest in Ines, but it also offers an opportunity to explore all kinds of themes, such as love and devotion, innocence and injustice, politics and war, madness and obsession, death and grief, and femininity and masculinity. Aida Jordao, a Portuguese-Canadian academic and theater practitioner at York University in Toronto, has extensively studied the story of Inés de Castro and states that, quote, It's hard to overstate just how famous and foundational this story is in Portugal. It's in our collective memory. Most Portuguese schoolchildren are introduced to the story in fourth or fifth grade, although the story is cleaned up. That's crazy, huh?
1: That's really wild. I don't think I would want that story around my fourth or fifth grade year old. No, 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 no. Negative.
0: But if it's something that you grew up with and everybody that you know grew up with this story, it's similar to how when we learn about um, George Washington's wooden teeth or whatever, which were actually (laughs) made from slaves teeth, which is uh, much more fucked up.
1: Oh, for sure. I just don't think that you want to pass down that kind of trauma. (laughs) Let's all be traumatized together.
0: (laughs) It's a cute story. It's a cute love story. I
1: I don't like that he stepped out on his wife already. So from the get-go, it was pretty, it was kind of going in the wrong direction.
0: That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) Portuguese teenagers also encounter Pedro and Inés when they study their national poet, Camões, in school. Camões' literary work being translated in other languages is the reason this story is so well-known in other European countries. Hordao states that because of these translations, Inés was taken out of Portugal and introduced to Europe. José Pereira da Costa recently wrote about Inés for an academic work, and his book has a jaw-dropping 5,531 works cited about her.
1: Wow, that's a lot of detail on one lady.
0: And most of the works written about this event do include Pedro having his wife coronated as the queen after her death. (gasps) Oh. But some of the more family-friendly versions of the story, such as Luis Vélez de Guevara's 1637 play, speeds up the timeline, and Ines's coronation happens 24 hours after her death, rather than several years later. So she's presented as being a beautiful corpse, rather than a rotting cadaver or skeletal queen.
1: Uh, okay, I know this is your show right now that you get to run, but I'm going to ask you a question. Does that make it any better? <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> Bitch is dead. I I'm, I'm don't want to kiss any, any weird hands that have been dead for 24 hours. I don't know. I just
0: don't. <laughs> no, it doesn't. And I know that I always play the devil's advocate and normally try and take the more extreme viewpoint. But <laughs> Of course. <laughs> mainly I do it for shock value. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I couldn't do that.
1: No, that's not... I don't think that's any better.
0: Yeah, that's not kosher, as the kids say.
1: Oh, <laughs> I don't think the kids say that.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's also a famous painting of nest from 1843 by Russian artist, Karl Bryolov. <laughs> where she's pleading to Alfonso with her children, Alfonso's grandchildren in hand, to spare her life, so her influence and notoriety has been more widespread than just Spanish or Portuguese-speaking countries. In Portugal, of course, Pedro and Inés are everywhere, even to this day. There's even a Pedro and Inés bread and a Pedro and Inés wine.
1: Wow, so she (laughs) did win. Oh, wow, that's nutty. Okay.
0: (gasps) There have already been three films and one television series about them, as well as derivative works that are more modern retellings of the story, including one by Rosa Lobato de Faria where Pedro is in a psychiatric unit and the scenes take place across three different time periods. The classic medieval version, a modern contemporary version, and a futuristic dystopian climate catastrophe world. I kind of want to see that movie. It's called The Braid of Inés.
1: Ah, I think she did that because it completely makes sense that you can see this type of a problem happening in the 1300s, happening where we live right now. And then also happening in the future. This is sadly, love is not a story. And even finding love in a, maybe in a pretty fucked up way, <laughs> is not one that's unique to a particular time.
0: That's very true. Throw in a futuristic, dystopian climate catastrophe world, and I'm sold. I'm a sucker for those type of movies.
1: Right. And then it just turns into you fell in love with a robot and you didn't know she was AI robot. And <laughs> now you got to figure, <laughs> now you got to figure out what you got to do. <laughs>
0: I mean, really, who wouldn't fall in love with a robot that's AI?
1: She says all the right things. It's perfect.
0: And she has machine learning. So her responses and her behaviors only get better with time.
1: Right. I would. That's the hope, I guess.
0: (laughs) Who needs real people? We have computers now.
1: Apparently we do. We keep infesting this planet. (laughs) We're like, we need more of us.
0: (laughs) There's a theory that humans are actually the invasive species of this planet.
1: That's not a theory. I mean, look at everything bad that's happening on this planet. It's because of us.
0: There's also a theory that cats are an alien invasive species.
1: Oh, okay. That could definitely be a theory. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny.
0: (laughs) I don't know. It sounds like uh, something that you would talk about while uh, sitting in a hot tub with your boy, Elon, after smoking a couple of dubs.
1: Spliffs? No. (laughs) Fun, no.
0: Happy 420, man.
1: I mean, (laughs) if anything, I feel like dogs are really the ones that are smart. They're really the ones that are running the show. Because, like, if you just go to, like, a dog park or even any park where they're being, like, walked, they're always in front, right? They're the leaders. So they think. And where are we? We're in the back holding their bag of shit, While happy. (laughs) (laughs) Who's the real leader? Come on, people. (laughs)
0: Although I think that if you were to take somebody from the future and show them the internet and they see all the cat videos and cat memes, they would probably think that we were obsessed or we worshiped cats.
1: Yeah. It's very Egyptian in that sense. I would agree. They're independent. You know, they're cute. They go away after a while. What's there not to like?
0: (laughs) I appreciate their independence.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: According to a Naked History article, Pedro died in 1367 and was buried next to Ines, But instead of being buried side by side the way you might envision, they were buried facing each other so that at judgment day, they could rise up and embrace. Between them, carved in marble are the words, until the end of time. That's super sweet, huh? So what do you think? Happy ending or nah?
1: I like the carving. It's very sweet until the end of time. Even in a weird way, I'm not, I don't think I'm necessarily for the whole like positioning facing each other, but There is somewhat of a sweet quality to it. So maybe I can kind of see that. But the lead up to it is just, it's all kinds of wrong, I feel like, you know? If everybody is telling you don't do this, there's good enough reason for you to maybe take a little bit of a step back and be like, why do they not want me to do this, you know? Like if it's one person, sure, all right, you can ignore them. But if there's a lot of people telling you, hey, don't do this, you might have to reevaluate the next step.
0: Well, first of all, As we'll find out in next week's episode, I'm not very good at identifying red flags, let's say.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes, (laughs) yes. You you turn a blind eye.
0: I have rose-colored goggles, as you uh, so eloquently put it. (laughs)
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Second, I got to keep in mind, Pedro was the king. So there probably weren't very many people telling him not to do what he was thinking about doing. That's a good point.
1: Yeah. But before he was the king and his dad was around, a lot of people were telling him not to.
0: Mm, I think it was just the dad that was... Oh,
1: that was just against it? Yeah. Really? Oh, man. Well, that's true. I mean, it's kind of similar where, like you said, he's so high up that he might just be surrounded by all those yes men. No matter what you say, yeah, great idea. Do it. Yeah. you know, And you don't have that true friend and be like, mm, let's see, is this a really good idea or not?
0: It's possible. I mean, I know with me, my dad spent most of his life telling me no. And most of the times that I had fun were the times that I defied him. So
1: Wow, that's a
0: <laughs> Well,
1: that's so funny. Wow, that's um I, I'm sure there's a lot of truth to that. And I think you might even be the type of person and you tell me if I'm right or wrong. But because you did defy him, you were almost relishing in that fact, even more so.
0: That was normally cut short by my fear of what my father would do to me once he found out that I, I was defying him.
1: Right, right, okay. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Although I stopped short of uh, starting a civil war against him that lasted four years.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thankfully, you didn't do that.
0: <laughs> so question, Isela. Yep. If you were married in secret to a prince and your father-in-law had you murdered, would you want your husband to dig up your rotting, decaying corpse to have you coronated posthumously?
1: No. And secondly, let me tell you why I could not be this Ines person. Let's say hypothetically, I did get married in secret to a prince. I will be the first person to tell you. I'm announcing that shit everywhere. I don't care how, <laughs> how many times I swore I was going to be secretive about it. Negative, son. I'm going to tell everybody. I'm going to wear a t-shirt. Or a veil or whatever. (laughs) You know what I mean?
0: No. Yeah, it would be on Instagram the next day. It's not official until it's Instagram official.
1: Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't think that that was even true because why until she died that he busted that fact out? I don't know. It leaves room for a little bit of doubt.
0: I guess he figured since he was going out to do fox hunting or whatever type of hunting rich kings do. Yeah. I guess he figured, well, you know, we've been living together for four years or five years. Uh, We have four kids together. She's probably safe. Nothing will probably happen to her. (laughs) I don't know. I think that I probably would have waited until my father died. Like, If he was kind of jerkish like that, and he already had her exiled once, I think I would have said, you know what? I'm going to err on the side of caution and not tell daddy that uh, Ines and I got married for fear of him doing something crazy like- Maybe having three assassins murder her while I'm out fox hunting.
1: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Possibly beheading her because that happens all the time. Yeah, I agree. I think he definitely could have been smarter about it, not rock the boat, stuff like that. But obviously this guy was too stubborn. And then it's those kids. I I don't know. I feel like he sounds like one of those entitled kids. I want what I want and I'm going to fucking get it. You know what I mean? Yep. The prince, the prince syndrome. This, there's girls that have the princess syndrome, too.
0: On that high note.
1: <laughs> Grace,
0: We hope that you enjoyed the show and you join us again next week. If you're enjoying the show, leave us a review, tell a friend, and subscribe wherever find podcasts are sold. Mm-hmm. Follow us on the socials at GreetingsTAC. Email us at GreetingsTAC at gmail.com. Or leave us a voicemail at 915 317 6669 If you have a story to share with us about the time that you dug up your rotting decayed corpse bride to have her oh, coronated my. posthumously.
1: Oh my god. <laughs> Watch out. That that voicemail line is going to flood.
0: <laughs> I can see that being a very common occurrence. <laughs> Hold on, I'm seeing how to pronounce this name yeah. so I don't fuck it up and I can try and make it funny. These are all hard. Yeah. Uh, most of them, they're almost like Spanish, but they have like weird letters and they have like weird.
1: Oh, the symbols, accents. Uh huh.
0: Yeah, Ines, like it almost has like a sad face over the E. So I don't, I'm not even sure I'm pronouncing it right.
1: Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucked up. <laughs> it's like a game in itself.
0: Yeah.